trying to get the intro, y'all. I'm trying to get the intro in here. Let me make it sound sweet. Am I sweet? Am I sweet? You got an intro. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Thank you, thank you, thank you, and welcome, welcome back. I know it's been about three weeks since the last Be The Change radio. Um, we've been on this campaign trail. At the end of the day, my main goal right now is I'm running for state representative District 10. The last three weeks, I've been able to knock on over 4,000 doors. Walked over, I believe it was 86 miles mm-hmm. in those three weeks. So I apologize for not being able to be consistent with delivering Be The Change radio, but we've been out here grinding. Absolutely. So today, we have two phenomenal women. Um, today, I really wanted to kind of just sit back and just soak up their information, soak up their knowledge. So on this episode, we're going to feature Miss Alex Yay. and my wife, Amanda. <laughs> we're going to discuss things <laughs> such as issues in, their, in, that, in the community, issues that they believe men need to take more notice of and become an ally around. And most importantly, we're going to discuss the issues around education and if schools should be opened. So tune in, sit back. It's going to be a little longer. we got to catch up on three worth of information. Why do you why do you think we don't normalize testing and knowing your status? Because it's a shame of all things. Dirty people get STDs, not clean people. That is how people look at it. <laughs> Which is crazy. No, but that's clean how people get the disease. Right, but that's how people look at it. Nobody first of all, let's start with the fact, like let's go aside from STDs. Men don't go to the doctor. Yeah. And the thing is the difference between men and women, women from the t- usually the average woman around the age of 16 goes to her first gynecologist appointment. Mm-hmm. Men do not have a male version of a gynecologist. You do not have to go get your oh, dick looked at every year. I didn't think about it. You got a cough? Every year? Really? But not a specialist, not a But not you don't a have a specialist. Oh, like That's we have to, we go. Have you ever seen the process of what happens when you go get a pap smear? No. <laughs> type in speculum. We don't see yes, you do. I just need you to type in speculum. I just need you to see what it looks yeah, like so you can get the idea. Is that the, it's a clamp. The duck yes. thing? I've it seen the duck clamp. thing before. I, 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 was, I was a friend of friends. It looks like speculum. Yeah. Right. He said speculum. So basically, oh. you oh, go. Yeah, well, friends, you. I right? Him, I, color girl. I made you watch the video. Yeah. Also, yeah. make him watch the video because I think that's really important too. Because another thing, I you feel think, smarter, Marjorie. <laughs> no. I think. I think he said, "No, I don't." Women go through this every year. So you you go, you're on the bed. They crack you open. They take the cotton swab, and then they take it out, and then they put their fingers in, check your start. Like they do all of this, right? I want to ask. It's not time to ask, but I do have questions. <laughs> it's okay. So you're going through all of this. You're going through all of this from uh-huh. the time you're a teenager, which autumn when men don't have to. You're not going to go. They don't have a penis specialist. They don't yeah. have they required to go see every year. Yeah. And then when we go, they ask you, well, since we already got you here, do you want us to swab you for anything? And it's like, okay, I mean, you already right. got it, yeah. so might as well. So women are So more, women are figuring it out. We're more normalized and comfortable because we're already used to the habit of going. Yes. And it's like yes. men barely even go to the doctor. Only yeah. boys I knew went to doctors in high school were the ones who went for physicals, for sports. Right. And it's like, it's a different type of normalization. I think that's what you're talking is normalizing things that should be. Yeah. Like, duh. And then it gets into my, like, a conversation I had with him. I feel like men need to learn about women's periods. And the reason I had told, the reason I had told him that (laughs) was, was because I said, think about it this way. I was like, 
uh, with accidental babies, right? Mm-hmm. I was like, and I feel like women do need to know more about their cycles. I'm like, because mm-hmm. a lot of women don't know what the fertile window is and like I that know, exists. Yes, and I yes, was like, I feel like that would kind of cut back yeah. on, I guess, teenage pregnancies, accidental pregnancies, if they knew. It's like, okay, you had your period, you bled for this day. I need you to understand that. Here. You're yeah. gonna be like a little, your know, chances of getting pregnant are higher, so you might want to use a condom. Yeah. <laughs> Why are you all laughing? I wasn't expecting to really, like, can't sign away for this. <laughs> right? Like, what? How old are y'all? <laughs> I'm sorry. This is crazy. Yes, that is literally. Oh, it gets oh, closer. They show yep. you, open it? you need to see it. You need to watch it. Mommy, have you seen this so far? I haven't shown this. I showed oh, wow, I showed it big. I showed them a, a cartoon one. That's a yeast infection. And that's the other thing we don't talk about because here's the thing: people talk all the time about like STDs and what they are, and like, oh, 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 how you get it? These are different oh, STDs. But this is what they show you in middle school to tell you not to have sex. Bro, that was our health class. She yeah. literally played a porno video and showed us STDs, bro. Here's what? the other thing. People don't, don't know the difference between STD and STI, like the difference yeah. between infection and disease, and people don't understand pH. Like, men don't understand. Like, if you sweaty and you outside playing all day and you go have sex with your girl and you ain't washed in between that, chances are your dirt, the dirt and sweat on your penis is getting inside of her vagina, which is a wet and moist cave. Next thing you know, she's probably going to end up with some type of yeast infection you know, or like, baby or something like that. It's like... See, we, we found out... We found... Like, go ahead. I'm sorry. It's the other conversation. I feel like your sex talk is going to be on an amazing level it's gonna be with so videos different. and PowerPoints going to have yes and then here this is. Here's another app. My kids are going to be so embarrassed. Yes. Like, I'm not even going to lie. But it's just like it I'm is really what it is. It's grossed out for me than finding out. Yeah. Like you need to know this stuff. Like you need to <laughs> no. know what it looks like. I feel like when you don't have the conversation, girls need to know what discharge is and which one like which ones are bad. Like which, which yeah, colors to look okay, for. What's like, not okay. What's not because you get into all of that. You need to know like okay if you just wash the underwear and you're itching all of a sudden you're probably allergic to it and don't need to use a detergent like it's a lot that goes it's beyond that should this be taught in schools or lead up to the house see here's the thing that's a good question I'm not against it being taught in schools if it's taught correctly mm. however there are people who are you know against like I want to be the one to talk to my kids about sex but then you're scared to talk you're using birds and the bees instead of just calling it what it is but the other thing is that to say it should be left in the house is also to assume that parents are made available to be able to talk about that. Got a lot of parents, especially in single parent households or low income households who work in yeah. two or three jobs who barely yeah. have time to say they hey to their kid, right. to let alone sit down and talk to them. So it's like it should be taught extensively hmm. throughout, like in school, but it's just like, you know. And not the scare tactic. Like you said, like the, it's how it's going to be taught too. It doesn't need to be a scare pop, tactic. The, whatever you said, you watched no, we I remember. They put a porno on, or what's well, not a porno, but like one of those like HBO, this the soft kind of ones. <laughs> Real sex. The, 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 yeah, like those kind of like the confessions. Hotel erotica. They, <laughs> okay, sure. See, we watching it on mute. She was had it on the real channel. Watching BT uncut. She had it her own room. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't have no but um, <laughs> Yo, what are you doing? They show like a, a clip of, of what sex looked like, right? And then the very video she put in was a rolling picture, it was a video that had rolling images oh. of STDs on a male and a female. And that was that was 
the presentation at 16 years old of what could happen I'm taking the sex. Never talked about condoms, never talked about anything. Just sex is bad, protect yourself. If you don't, this is what it's gonna look like. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I remember I did a presentation on syphilis in like 10th grade. And it was funny because we had, it was for my speech class and I forgot. I think we had to do an informative speech. And I was like, okay, boom, I'm gonna talk about syphilis and like what this STD is. And I printed out like all these pictures had like everything. And I was asked to post my board. <laughs> Because it was just like people were like really freaked out about it. And I'm just like, okay, it can happen. Like, I mean, I hope none of y'all get it, but it is a thing that goes around. And it's just like, we at this, as a culture, as a people, we have to stop shaming people for a lot of stuff in general. But sex is definitely, I mean, it's the most natural thing. And it is okay to like it. We need to stop shaming people for liking it. We need to stop shaming people for having multiple partners. We need to stop shaming people just in general when it comes to that. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm like, it is what it is. Everybody has it. You had to get here because your parents had sex with each other. Like, whether you want to think about that or not, it's like, that's how they got here. The slaves is probably what they had to do in their free time anyway. Boom, babies. You know what I mean? Like, it is what it is. And it's just, I think the biggest issue is because don't, people don't talk about it. Like, people focus on everything else or they're too scared. And it's just like, no. Because yeah. you can't. Because then that's how stuff happens. That's how people end up with multiple babies. That's how people end up with, like, everything. Mm-hmm. And especially in a young age, and then it's like now you're really screwed because you don't know what to do. So it's a lot. But yeah, all of that to say, I'll probably start talking about the Asian team. <laughs> what I would no, no, ask you one more podcast. Um, the one just just transition over. I, I I get the sex talk, but I want to talk to you. I, I know um you went to D.C. for the march uh, for women for um feminism. Mm-hmm. And I know we brought talked about women and womanism earlier earlier. So I want to just talk about um I want to say term female issues, but issues that exist in the woman world that you wish more men were aware of and sensitive towards mm. you know what it is no okay well i'll start with a basic one it all goes back to like your period and like pms mood swings and pms symptoms are very real and they do range and they do change for for myself I am very, I tell them, like, okay, my period's coming in, like, three days, so I need you to understand I'm about to start crying or I'm about to be, like, incredibly painful. And it's, like, every woman's symptoms are different. So it's, like, please, if I say don't touch me, I really mean it. Like, your boobs got got cramps. You can be be moody and not understand why it gets deeper than that. And it's just, like, I don't think men understand because you can't control it. It's nothing you can do for it. Like, there's there's no way you can stop it. Like, you could take, like, my at all, you can take, but it's, like, who wants to be on, like, all of these pills? And then it's, like, even some women actually get what they call a period depression, which is literally, like, you go into a crazy, like, depressive and anxiety-ridden episode, like, right before your period, and they have to take antidepressants before they get on there. And then it's, like, that myth about birth control is that it works all the time. It's, like, it stops the baby, but it's not going to stop you from catching something. So it's like you need to understand that, if, especially if she's on a pill, if she's not taking that pill, like how she's supposed to, same time every day, like consistently, a baby can happen. Like it can happen or you can catch something. I think just understanding women and their bodies more would help a lot and just mm-hmm. in general at the yeah. root level. Like that's the most basic thing. I would, um, I think that's a loaded question because it's a lot of different layers to it but I think um, if people were more conscious of the pressure if men were more conscious of the pressures women have in our society um, it's something that I wasn't really aware of but it was in my subconscious 
Um, and every woman probably does this in a, in a city when you're by yourself and you're walking around and you have to be angry all the time and, and just so no one approaches you. And if a man does approach you, you have to put on this friendly and not aggressive, no thank you, I'm okay, or come up with a lie of I have a boyfriend just because of the fear of the, a man's reaction. So if there were more men who are our allies and not just bystanders in these situations, because I've been a woman in those situations and shrugged the man off and been aggressively attacked and, and been afraid. But if I knew that there was a man next to him that would be like, excuse me, don't you don't talk to a woman like that. It would make going through life so much more easier. So anytime I'm not with you still, I always have to either put on this angry face, this front, you know what I'm saying? Like, okay, don't an come at me. And, you know, yeah. don't come at me. Or like power walk. Power walk. Like, yep, this is yep. like, like, hold on, leave me alone. And that's why I low-key love the mask because you can't see my face. I'm like, yes. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but it's like when a man comes at you and then you tell them no, and it's like we said earlier, like how many no's till you get to a yes? It's like, it don't, sir, I'm not. I'm just trying to get gas and go home. I'll be real with you. I, I wouldn't have thought that. Cause I, I thought like in my, I thought women like being pursued or chased. That's what women I've always like, thought. Women like By someone you want. Yeah, so that's what I thought. Like, how do we know? You know, but how would we know that? Who were you taught that by though? Was it another man or was it a woman? Woman usually. I don't know. Told you that women like to be chased. Yeah, men chase the woman, and then not the opposite way around. That's why a lot of men nowadays say women should shoot their shot more because we don't yeah, we know. don't know anymore. <laughs> we have no right. clue anymore. But I feel like women like to be courted or like to be asked out. <laughs> sure, but if like if I say no, that should be it. Like but men are taught men are not taught men are taught from early age that no doesn't always mean no, right? Yeah, and right. they're taught in the sense of like if you're in preschool and a girl hits you and she likes you. Not that she wants you away from her. Not she. That, not that she doesn't want you to change her. Like take her grant. Nothing. Yeah. So she hits you. She likes you. Oh, she just likes you. That's okay. Like blah blah blah. Okay. So then it goes into you constantly taking that behavior, and mm-hmm. then that behavior just graduates and into in high school, that's what you're harassing a woman at a yeah. pub, gas station pump. Yeah, actually, <laughs> like that. Actually, that's what it graduates into. My like, mind just. Phew, it's exactly. the same. It's the same. Like thing, like I literally hate going to the gas station. Or I try to go like suburbs because like white people usually leave you alone, no shade. But <laughs> for real, like it's just it's a little more like, like Jim's not gonna talk to me. Jim, yeah. might, Jim <laughs> might call me something else, but he's not about to talk to me. Yeah. I'm okay with that. I feel you know? safe. Now that's a wild perspective that you feel safer going out there and risking being, you know, called X, Y, and Z out there, mistreated out there, than just going right there yeah. on um Gil, Gilchrist and Eight Mile. But here's the thing though, it's because. You can die in either situation. True. Mm. And it's just like, it's weird because for me, like I always, I always say like I'm, I feel more comfortable walking through Brightmore and Bloomfield Hills, right? And the terms of a gas, of me going to get gas, it's because usually the people who are at the gas station in the suburbs are just there to get gas. Like that's it. Or get snacks and leave. It's like at gas stations in the city, especially in certain hoods, are basically like a whole nother club. You know what I'm saying? People pull up in the parking lot, like they linger in, like they just there. It's like you've used to the people who are just like always outside of the gas station. It's just like if I see too many dudes just just hanging out at the gas station, I'm not going there. Like I would rather risk my car breaking down than me stop because Mm -hmm. it's like 
I just don't want to be bothered. So like, it's just like, there's nothing to it. Now there are women who enjoy it because they like the intention or they feel like they need it. But it's just like, if I say no once, that should be it. Right. But what happens when you have a man, it's like a, think of it like a jungle, right? Like it's just, it's almost like a game. If a zebra walks into a lion den, <laughs> that's what it, that's what it turns into. And it's like, if a man gets rejected in front of a, his boys or whatever, he's not, he's going to be embarrassed. Yeah. So then that turns that, that turns the situation because yeah. it determines like how do you handle it? Mm-hmm. Usually, if it's not aggressive, then you resort back to calling this woman all types of names. Yeah. She goes from being somebody you want to talk to to all oh, types really? of she ugly this that like you ain't cute blah, blah, blah. like <clears throat> it going all that and that's just to save your ego. It ain't got nothing to do with nothing else but to save your ego. Yeah. But it's just like people react to things right. differently. But and that's a big one. I don't think men get that like. I don't like going in the gas station. I don't. I hate it, especially certain times of the day or if it's just, like, too many people out. I don't like doing it because it's like I never know what I'm about to walk into. Yeah. Just be be more, be more, an ally when it comes to situations like that. And there's probably a million more things that if I had more time I could, like, think of. But it's like anytime you see a woman being a victim, be her ally. Don't be, don't be another person that just kind of shrugs their shoulders at it. Like, no, like, speak up. Help her out. But... I'll do one thing, I guess. I want to move over to schools. I know with, with COVID-19, we're seeing, um, before I get into schools, I do want to, my bad, this could be ended now. Um, womanism versus feminism. What's that mean to you? I don't know, because I don't dress as, I don't, I, <sighs> okay, here's the thing, right? Womanism versus feminism, I feel like, depending on how you look at it, right? So first, it could be divisive because womanism is like, does that refer to biological women? I feel like feminism can be more inclusive of including like trans women and like, you know, other people who identify as women, right? Mm -hmm. My problem with feminism, I feel like feminism does not always wholly include women of color, not just black women, but you get into Latin women, Middle Eastern women, and other women. It's kind of like, I feel like the best example of feminism that I can give and like how I always viewed it is the women's suffrage movement, right? Mm-hmm. So you have all these women who are out there marching for their right to vote, right? For their right to be treated equally in 1920-something. You have Delta Sigma Theta Sorority is out there marching with these people. You have all these other black women marching with these people. However, black people then were still not viewed as, we're still not viewed as people. But it's more like, okay, we're helping these, these white women are getting what they want. Like, you know, you're. it's like, okay, once we get it, then we'll come back for you and, like, we'll do it. You know what I mean? And it's like, I feel like a lot of feminism okay, I like that. Okay. starts, it looks like that. You know what I mean? And it's like, can you be a black feminist? Sure, but it's like, if it's not intersectional fem- feminism, then it, it doesn't matter. I don't identify with either terms because I do feel like, how can I say this? Okay, it's like, how I say about the N-word and then the word, like the R-word, aka retarded, right? Like white people had that whole, it was not white people, but people had the whole campaign for the word, like retarded, like you're not supposed to use it because it's offensive to special people, blah, 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 blah. I, I felt like people were saying that and it was such a big deal, especially amongst like all communities and colleges and particularly with white people because they can identify as that. They can never identify as the N-word, so they don't understand the offense in that. But because of the fact that they can't have a special needs child or they themselves can be special needs, then they understand the offense because it affects them too. And I feel like feminism is divided in that same way. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm. the whole freedom ties and, like, all that stuff. Like, oh, it's cute, but it's like, what are you really fighting for? 
because I feel I personally feel like to be a feminist means you have to be for all women that means you have to be for inclusive for black women which then goes down to means you have to support black issues you cannot be a feminist and yell all lives matter that's just the way I look at it Steele came home and told me about um, some people that he's been working with talking about no there's a movement called womanism and um, yeah I went to the march back in D.C. A, a, a while ago now with everybody wearing these cute little hats and I didn't re- you know I didn't realize it when I was there but it was very like you could right tell now. it was very one sided with the with was this the one a few women. years ago in this D.C. it was right after the- Trump <laughs> got elected so 2016 <clears throat> And, you know, I'm just kind of going because I'm thinking this is something that will be good. This is, this is awesome. It'll bring me around people that want to be about, about change. And then when Steele kind of came home and was talking to me about there's a movement of womanism versus feminism and how womanism is more so inclusive to all women issues and fe- no, and feminism is more of a go ahead. So from my understanding. Womanism is just a collective group of minority women and, and their issues because so, black women, Hispanic women, Latino women believe that their struggles are far less, are far not far, far less. They're they're different than white women issues. Which is facts. Which, which is, is so right. I've I've never heard of womanism before February. Never I've heard of feminism. And I was proud. To, you know, I'm not saying I'm a I support because as a man, yeah. we I don't know how to support that movement right. besides just asking questions where I don't understand where it's coming from. Mm -hmm. But um, my friend Alexis broke this down so clearly why feminism is just a waste of time for black women to be involved because they will never care about the issues. Like as like black women, you guys are, are the number one, um, I guess popular people, people that die from childbirth. Birth mortality mm-hmm. rate is so, the highest. It's like fourteen to one or something like so that. So they were saying like a, a white feminist would never understand or care about why that mortality rate is so high in our community. She's like, you know, I don't care about feminism. I'm all about womanism. I'm like, but isn't that directly contradictive to each other? I do that as the all lives matter versus black lives matter. Like, like, and I, I'm not saying that to attack anybody's views because ultimately. I'm going to side with, with womanism because I have more time yeah. with, with that space of people. I understand those issues better than I understand the Beckys of the world. But I don't necessarily, I just don't want to ask that question because when it comes down to it, what's like... I think it's impossible. Here's my thing. When it comes to like all of that, like womanism, feminism, for me personally, I feel like I'm black first, right? Mm-hmm. So I feel like those are the issues that directly affect my life first. I do feel like there are a lot of things because it's like even when you get into the subset of black, right? Like they're like this whole new thing is like all black lives matter. And people are trying to say like, oh, you're trying to like all lives matter. I'm like, no, but it like it does when trans women are getting killed at an alarming rate. Like we're not talking about the way that they're getting lynched or the way that their bodies are being found. And then it's like I get their need to be included because it's like they're already fighting for like gay rights. And then it's like, you know, you're Mm -hmm. getting killed just off the GP off of who you are. And then when it comes to feminism, it's funny because I think that March is where I have this picture saying on my phone, like still, but it was mm-hmm. like the group of women, this group of white women were taking a picture in front of the white house, like, you know, because they were all out there doing a March protest mm-hmm. and whatever. And then it was this black woman who had this sign that said 53% of white women voted for Trump. And yes, I'm like, when you think about right. it, when you think about it that way, it's like, mm-hmm. you're not necessarily voting for the better candidate because like he presented himself as racist way before that. You just right. don't care because you know his racism does not affect you. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like, I feel like there is that divide within when it comes to feminism because it's like y'all don't understand the struggle for real. You I want think, to, yeah. but you don't. 
I think that like womanism is is more inclusive to um, all types of uh, ethnicities, and feminism is very um, it can be. But I I really feel I really feel like um, that conversation is not put out there enough, and I think um, there may be some groups within the feminism group that need to hear that conversation. Because until still came home and told me about it, I wasn't really aware. But then it was like, it's kind of like, you know, when someone pulls, pulls the curtains away, you realize, oh, yeah, hold on, you're right. This isn't, especially the the, uh, the mortality rate of black women yeah, giving birth. They was just, I just saw this video of um, a woman and she was gorgeous and she was dancing with her man and they were about to seven and months she pregnant. Just had, I just told them and just And she's beautiful and they dancing and they having a good time. They're so happy together. And she passed away with her baby. And it's like, White women should be outraged as well. That the question is why aren't they affected the same percentage? Because childbirth like is the same process. It's the same racism that a mac uh, that a black man gets with the police officer. Black women are getting with doctors. Okay, you yeah. go in with pains and they not believe in you. You go in, you know what I'm saying? It's that they've been taught. Actually, doctors have have actually come out and said they've been taught that black people don't feel the same type of pain that white people feel. And it's like what, or even like when a when a white doctor googles um, images of uh, illnesses, and the images they are receiving are only white people with the illness, and they cannot see a reference of an illness with a dark like skin diseases on darker skin complexions. It doesn't come up the same. So you have to realize the same. I, I I'm trying to make that comparison, but it's it's different, it. right? But it's the comparison of a black man and police officers can be um, completely parallel to the uh, black woman and the and, and medicine. It's the same, like Venus. I mean, it's Serena Williams, Beyonce both came out with their birth stories, and they both were almost died giving birth because people didn't believe them. Like Serena mm. went through a whole mm-hmm. thing because of the fact that she had clotted and Bust she kept telling them what was happening. And they would not listen to her. And she literally almost died giving birth to her daughter. Like, it doesn't matter status. It just people see color. And it's like when you that. think about, like, feminism, yeah. it's like, okay, where are the feminists for Breonna Taylor? That's what I, and another, yeah. You see what I mean? Like, but even, how about this, though? You said earlier that um, all black lives matter. And there were different conversations within the Black Lives Matter movement, how we were so outraged that a black man was killed. And we, as we should, right, as we should. But Breonna Taylor's murder is is mind-boggling. Every time I hear the story, it's like, what? Are you kidding me? And it's like, we still. she has a law that was passed, but her killers are still not, you know what I'm saying? That was com- manslaughter, completely, undeniably. They can't hide it. We should like, be, it is, yeah, like, it's, we should it's, be it's, outraged. manslaughter. Like, yes. it's evident. Right. And it's like, yeah. Beautiful one. You know, I just can't. It's it's really upsetting that that black women cannot get the can get cannot get respected. But but I'm curious. I'm ready for all Black Lives Matter because that's uh, trans. I need too. to hear. I yeah. need no. to hear it. Okay, so this is this is my view, and then I'm a, it, it's my view. But that's interesting. The issue that I, the part that I'm upset about as far as the all Black Lives Matter piece, and I'll go as far as saying we need to care more about black on black violence in our communities. Um, my man's that got um, oh, I didn't even I need to know his name, but the the guy who was killed by the cop on Friday. Uh, Littleton. I can't think of the first name, but it's something Littleton. Uh, you talking about uh, when they was protesting? No, yeah. no, 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 no. He was the guy. Him and his homeboy shot up the block party, killed eight people. Three of them was kids. Pulled a gun out, shot at the cop, and people were really getting ready to tear down the city. 
Um, Is that why they were calling it that? I didn't know. Well, I don't know. I didn't know that. I'm confused. I just okay. knew the one about the guy who was with his friend when the cops pulled up and he's like, "You ain't taking my man to start blasting." Yeah, so, that, so that, that, the guy that they are arrested and him were the people that shot up that shot up that block party a couple of days before, and nobody said anything. Well, they were only after one of them. The guy in the white truck, he was the one that was driving in. Allegedly, had the vote of him taking the shot. So nobody protested, nobody got upset when they killed three little black babies mm. in our community. Mm. But as soon as we thought cops killed a criminal, we were ready to burn the city down. And, and before we even checked our facts and did our research, they were walk majority white people and folks were marching down six miles down Livinois and up to the, the precinct on seven mile in Woolworth. And it's like, if we, this in my opinion, if we cared so much about black lives, if you know the person that down the street kills people or has killed people, why doesn't that make us as upset as, as another person that puts on a blue shirt every day killing somebody? Why do we get so upset over that? But we just think it's our caught. Chicago had 45 people shot last weekend between Friday and Sunday. And our community is not up in arms. We're not upset. We're not pushed. We're not trying to take down the community. We're not trying to police our community, protect our women, protect our children. We don't snitch. So, so we're okay with our communities being utilized and, and being violent. But the second somebody in the blue shirt comes in, now we're ready to raise hell and tear down the city. I have an issue with that. Okay. You think? Yes, ma'am. Okay, so here's the thing. <laughs> so I have an issue with the phrase black on black crime. I feel like black on black crime is a yeah, phrase that was used to in order to discredit and displace the anger of black people in mm-hmm. terms of being murdered and lynched. You never hear white on white crime. You, you do not. Mass shootings, school shooters, they're taking they white on white crimes. But no. Different. Have you ever seen it Have you ever seen it published as white on white crime? Have you ever seen it say white on white crime statistics? Have you ever seen like cuz you will never see that. It will never exist. It was a thing to discredit like minorities and the thing the other issue i have is i feel like a lot of statistics that are thrown at us are incredibly skewed i agree i feel like when like we talk about like detroit like detroit right murder capital of the world right whereas the reality is it's like how is that possible with chicago having more i'm like it's a simple math game because chicago is more populated it's gonna look like they have less because you're dividing by less versus us who have less on both sides with black on black crime it's just like it does what it, it does what it just did for you, right? It deflects from like what the actual issue is, because like you have an issue with black on black crime, and it's like okay, that's great. No, I'm no, good. I'm not saying you don't care, but it def- it deflects the conversation because it's like okay, yeah, so this police officer is killing you, but what about this? And my thing is, when it comes to black on black crime specifically, even though I hate to use it, I feel like if I'm killed by another black person, I know it's not just because I'm black. It could just be wrong place, wrong time, but chances are, if I were to be shot by somebody, it's I could have said something I could have did like it's not you don't hate me just because you see me you know what I mean and then the other thing we are not talking about we're not talking about like the lynchings that have been happening we're not talking about the murders that happened on Indian reservations we're not talking about like all this extra stuff because it's like black people are the loudest right now it's like it's crazy how in the in the world with everything that's going on we're still the target it's like we're still the minority we're just the loudest of the bunch that you we refuse to be ignored you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. you have people who are 
when you get into like Hispanic, even then it's like, cause oftentimes we tend to roll Hispanic and like Latin Americans in kind of with us where the reality is we shouldn't shouldn't. (laughs) at all because you get into, aside from them having their own issues, you get some who don't even like to identify the fact that they are black too. Like you get a Hispanic person from Spain versus a Hispanic person from like the Dominican Republic or Haiti or Dominican Republic is a great one because of the fact it's like, you know, and it's like those are two different people. Spain people are gonna feel more European than anybody else. So they like pass. They kind of can get away with it. We see it with like the actress Gina Rodriguez, who was Jane Aversion. She has she does this thing where she kind of like she basically always all like matters type of stuff. It's really weird. And it was the first time I actually noticed like how minorities can be racist against like mm. black people for real. And it's like when it comes to cops specifically. It's like, who do black people call when they need help? You know what I'm saying? It's like, yes, this is this the, for this is the first time the police were right of how like how they did it. You know what I'm saying? This guy pulled the gun to this cop's head and was just like, "F it, I'm not going." Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, of course they're gonna take him out. Mm-hmm. Of course they're gonna do that. Then you gotta look at who was marching. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like the reality is it's like they're on this like guilt trip thing, which also deflects from what the actual issue is. It's the same thing with like all these street murals and everything. It's like it's deflecting from what the issue actually is. It's like you murals are deflecting the street murals like, you know, like the black lives matter and power to the people. I was I don't like those. I hate it. I don't like it. It is like the students of. Uh, UPA, yeah, you, you pad did the one in Detroit. Why would you say? Oh, I was the Detroit one is the worst one of all of them to me hmm. because I feel like the Detroit one, Detroit did it to kind of just because all the other cities were doing it, right? Detroit is one of the biggest black. When you talk about black cities, one of the first words out your mouth is Detroit, Chicago, hmm. Atlanta, New Orleans. Like these are going to be the first four cities that you mention when you think of black people, right? And then it's like for them to put power to the people versus Black Lives Matter is really telling of the state that Detroit is in. You know what I mean? It's like I feel like they're playing to the game. I feel like you got to get and look at to who's buying, who owns most of the properties in Detroit. You get into the Illiches and Dan Gilbert. You got to look at the fact that Dan Gilbert did host or did allow because he won't say he hosted a Trump rally to be a Trump fundraiser to be promoted in one of his buildings back in uh, 2000. Yeah. It was at the Madison building. You got to think about the fact that the bedrock, they had did that whole thing that was like, you know, we are Detroit and not a single black person was in this mural. So it's like, what Detroit do you represent? I remember. So, I so remember it was like, was they had to take it down. They took it down very quickly. So it's like to say power to the people, you're not saying it. It's not a, even though it's a black thing and it's like, you got, our fist there it's not for us because your people are still afraid of the word black people do not like to say the word black people feel like they can't it's offensive for them to say the word I, black i feel you you know like, so you see what i'm about to say <laughs> i feel you because i didn't you know i didn't take that perspective like this is this is a black city this you know what i'm saying but when you throw in the idea of that was probably an idea that maybe a student came up with and that was their way of putting it out there. I don't know. the I don't know. Yeah. The, I don't know none of that. I don't know if that was 
a council member, a teacher. I don't know whose idea was any of it, but I just respect um, kids coming up with. Ways it was well to done. Try, you know, what I'm like, saying? I would never kids take that saying, from yeah, them. Yeah, kids saying, "Hey, this is what we want to do." Just to try to bring some type of hope and change. But, even but I that, feel what you're yeah. saying when you say, well, dang, this is the blackest city. And you said power to the people and the people don't have the power. <laughs> I feel you. Because part of me wondered, like, I have so many questions. Cause, like, you're yeah. going to need a permit for that. You're going to need city approval for that. Yeah. Part of me feel, feels like you need, whatchamacallit, you need a... You, you're gonna need something like this doesn't just pop up I feel like if anything they probably solicited and it, well the thing is so many levels to this because I know Detroit has like this whole like arts and culture director because it's mm-hmm. the lady she used mm-hmm. to work for the free press and mm-hmm. it's like I know she pulled it together because it's like she's she it's is so really she is really active in terms of yeah mm-hmm. she's really active in everything that's going on and she has done a, like a lot in terms of the art community and it's like I just feel like I could see them because all the other cities were doing it in a meeting with like the mayor and everybody else and trying to figure out what way Detroit can participate. And that's the way that they came up with. And it's just like, not that the kids aren't great. Not that the art wasn't well done. It's just like, there's so many other things that Detroit, you know, could be doing. We could be doing better. Yeah. And it's like, Uh, it's so many things. Like even this whole, like, uh, was it like the bi POC, whatever, BIPOC, like whatever. It's a new acronym that's starting to pop up with everything, right? Mm-hmm. It's BIPOC. It's a, a whole new wave. I want to say, if I remember correctly, it's Black, Indigenous, and People of Color or something. Like something mm-hmm. yeah, like that. It's, yeah. it's something along those lines. And it's just like, okay, look, guys, we have this thing. And it's like, I just feel like. Black, Indigenous, and People of Color. So it is, okay. It's just, it feels all just. I feel like everything is starting to take away from everything because people want you know to what? prove how much they're involved in it. And like, yeah, yeah I so, support it. And I, yeah. it's just, no. So bandwagoners. Yeah. This is what I, the bandwagon is what I struggle with. Yeah. Is this, is this support helping us or hurting us? You think it's hurting us? I think it's hurting us because I don't think a lot of it is genuine. Okay. I just feel like a lot of people don't want to look like they don't care. You know what I mean? Like you're, mm-hmm. they're too afraid to say like they don't care for real, and they're too afraid to be like, oh, I understand. I'm like you can't tell me these people are just not waking up. You can't tell me all these corporations when we've been yelling for years the same thing are just not waking up. It's like you're doing it because one took a step, and now everybody's falling in See, line with it. This is something that um, I thought was interesting. Um, the Washington Redskins—they've been that. trying to get that mm-hmm. name changed for at least mm-hmm. fifteen. To and now all of a sudden it's cool. And it's not not because the pressure or civil rights. The sponsors of the NFL decided that they were not going to sponsor them. They were going to cut their deal, which means they would have lost billions over five or ten years. And once the financial pressure started getting applied to the Washington Redskins, they decided to change their name. And I'll view that the same thing as the Colin Kaepernick thing. I was just about to say that. Like, well, Roger Goodell pissed me off. All the way you, off. He could have kept it. All you the way off. You could have kept that. You know what I'm saying? See, like, why would you bring the, light? T- go ahead. What are the repercussions of that? Because I feel Nothing. like that's crazy. That was crazy. I like, was so like, what how do you green the team? Okay, guys, it's now okay to offer him a, like a workout. Like, it's like, yeah, I never told so anybody. What? I never said like, that. Like, yeah, I we good. stand with our players in solidarity since when? Because that was y'all could have kept that. You know what I'm saying? Well, like y'all could have kept it for four and a half years. Secretary's his whole career and everything. It's just Kaepernick just did workouts last year. And y'all didn't want to get nothing. Just last year, I can name. Four y'all gave him. Th- y'all gave him the runaround when he was trying to do it. He ended up throwing his own workout. So it's like you can't for you to say that now it's like you're doing it to save face because who who plays for you on the field 
Black people. Who watches these games every Thanksgiving? Black people. Like, we are the ones who run this. Like, if black people took their money away from the NFL, like, if black people stopped, like, there is this thing. It was Absolutely. There are a few actual athletes who have res, uh, resigned from the schools they were committed to to go to HBCUs. Mm-hmm. That's a big major. thing. Yes. But because they were really, like, ranked and promising. And it's like... If all of these black athletes stop going to these schools and start going to HBCUs, if they do like, you know, how Ice Cube started like the big three league for like retired players. Mm-hmm. If they were to start a league yeah. of their own, like literally a league of our own that wasn't the uh-huh. NFL, imagine like what the black dollar would do for that league. You know, I didn't you think, think that, that isn't a solution because boycotting the NFL or not watching it. I think some people try to do that, and it I just tried. you know I what I'm saying. I try, but I, I really enjoy football. Yeah. Me too. I, I really it enjoy it. I try, but it's like after. it wasn't hitting them like it was. But I feel like that's actually a pretty good like, idea. But dollar wise, I'm like now that you have these new class of recruits and they're not committing to these big universities anymore, and they're going to HBCUs. It's like all it takes is somebody to start a like D league that's like good. You know the, what I'm the saying? NBA's doing it now. Like, and we would the watch NBA it. is doing yeah. it right now. They're tra- the NBA is attacking college basketball. They're saying right now, you can, if you're good enough, you can come out of high school and play in our G league. You play in our G league for two years and you'll be in the NFL and you'll make six figures. So the college is about to take a hit because if I'm 18, I can, I'm, you know, I need to have my family. Yep. I can go right there and now all of a sudden colleges are going to start losing the NBA players right, right there. And it's like it is colleges need to lose the NBA players. Absolutely. Because I feel that that's a whole other conversation about like student athletes and like what they're worth. It's basically indentured servitude. That's a whole other yeah, thing. Because it's like what they expect of like those athletes mm-hmm. and not just it's basketball, football, it's baseball, it's cheerleading. Like what they expect and the pressures that they put on them Absolutely. to make money from university and not see any of it. Not see a dime it's like, it's yeah, like how is this legal? How do you go to school and act like a, act like a college student for nine months? Like what are you really like? What are you doing? It's a completely, it's a completely different thing. You're not going and picking on major. Now I do want to you know get off of this topic mm-hmm. and just kind of move it forward. Now this one. Um, I do want to kind of bring Mamanjo in the fold. I want to talk about schools reopening. I know um, right now we're seeing um, the COVID-19 numbers are on the rise. Um, so I truly believe we're going to be on a lockdown um, by, oh, I say by two weeks. Definitely August. Like, I'm trying to go yeah. stock up right now. Because I already know it's about to go back. Now, um, I know um, a man is a teacher. So I, I've heard her views. I want to hear her. I want to have her share how she feels as a teacher about schools reopening. And then you two as parents. What are your thoughts? Would you send your baby girl right. in the second grade this year? So I wanted to have a conversation around schools. My personal belief, I don't think they should be open until until they can guarantee the kids can be safe. Because mm-hmm. I that's that's my stance. I don't believe schools should be open right, until they can guarantee yeah. that the staff and the students can be safe. They should not have to sign a waiver that says your baby gets sick. We're not at fault. So, from, from a parent standpoint, from an educator standpoint, what's your feelings or what's your thoughts on your on your child returning to school in thirty days? It's complete trash. I'm gonna tell you why. Because the first one of the first things I saw was like, "Oh, we're gonna do temperature checks." Here's the thing: the people who are currently being admitted into the hospitals for COVID nineteen are do not have fevers, so doing a temperature check is not gonna do anything. People who have been like admitted recently have been asymptomatic, which means they may suffer headaches, they might have lost the taste. Like you're not gonna know who has it. It's thing number one. Thing number two is like 
girl, they put enough stress on teachers. Somebody, the, perfect, the most perfect tweet, it was like, teachers have to fight off school shooters, a whole pandemic, work, like, buy their supplies out of their pocket, and now you want them to, you know, Risk just literally, literally to come to school. And it's just like, this pandemic has exposed how greatly flawed our systems are. We already knew it, and it is things we were already loud about, but we, it is like, now what are you guys gonna do? You're scrambling, you know? It's like, DPS went through and closed all those schools. Like, they closed all of those schools when we were getting out of high school, and it's like, now you're feeling the effects. You went from having the class sizes that are suggested now for these kids where they would be able to be six people like six feet apart and only 10 to 15 kids a class like you went from having that to cramming these kids 30 to 40 in a class and now it's like how are you guys gonna do it you're talking about rotating schedule like who's gonna keep up with that like to remember which kids are due today which kids are due tomorrow and then it's like the other thing it brings out is just how like the disadvantages of the system as like as it is right like people because of the society i'm in and technology is so just like readily available everywhere people forget that there is a whole demographic and there are a lot of people who do not have proper internet access so it's like you want to say oh we'll switch to online learning but it's like how many of those kids can actively afford it you know what i mean and people are looking like well it's not that much i'm like but to a parent who might have multiple children who's working minimum wage jobs because you don't want to raise minimum wage it's like how are they going to afford that internet be a right yes at this point in our lives and the way our society is, absolutely. I feel like internet is something, because you can't function without it. At this point, we, nobody writes letters anymore. Nobody needs to fill out a job application. What do they tell you? Online. Exactly. So it's like you have to, like a computer is, it's, at this point, you need it, right? And it's like, of course, they like these little like cheap Wi-Fi, like, you know, deals and everything. But it's like the broadband isn't strong enough for you to really get work done. So it's like you're putting these expectations on these parents, the additional financial expectation, because now you got to think of it like, okay, sure, these kids are home. Oh, a parent, they can afford like 50 to $60 a month for internet, whatever, or however much it is. I don't know. But I pay it. I just don't know because it's bundled in with the cable. So whatever yeah. happens, whatever happens, you know. Why you pointing to mine? He's like, yeah, you must take care of that one. Nope. <laughs> I don't know how much it is. Whatever. I don't know. Neither. So, so and I pay it's just like <laughs> it's just like you're expecting these kids. You're expecting them to be able to afford, let's say, sixty, seventy, whatever. But then you got to look at it like, okay, their kids are going to need something to use. A woman is a single parent. She has three kids. You want her to buy three laptops? That's, that's my issue. Yeah, so it's like, so, how, how is she going to afford? How is she going to afford this? You know what I mean? And it's like, then people look at these costs. Um, There's actually an argument with a, on another teacher's Facebook because she had made the status about like you know laptops and everything. And people were commenting like, well, if you can buy your kids Jordans and they two hundred dollars and you should be able to afford them like a Chromebook, whatever. I'm like, true. Chromebooks are between two three hundred dollars for a basic one. But again, you get into the reoccurring cost of having internet. What happens if it breaks? Can you afford the extra insurance? Because it's a child. Like, they can break it tomorrow. Like, can you afford to get it fixed? It's like, there are reoccurring costs that you're not looking at, right? And then you get into the parents. It's like, a lot of people lost their jobs. A lot of people are not being forced Mm. to go back, Mm -hmm. right? Right. So now it's like, 
black people we make up the essential workers we are the janitors we are the fast food workers we are the bus drivers we are the retail workers these people don't have anywhere for their kids to go anyway so they because of the fact that most people live paycheck to paycheck people cannot put up to stay for a rainy day they cannot afford to miss a paycheck we couldn't afford to miss a paycheck before you know what i mean so it's like people were already risking their lives going to work with the flu and it's like Oh, I don't feel well, but if I don't do this, then this is going to happen. It's like, you know, yes, they stopped the evictions, but it's like all those bills are coming up. You know what I mean? People working at unemployment. going to come up soon, though. Yeah, it's like people working at unemployment, but it's like, here's the thing. You don't know if people are using it to catch up on stuff that's past due. It's like red or blue pill. It's like, okay, yes, I'm getting this new money in unemployment, but it's like, it would be great. I can pay off all this old stuff, and then whatever new bills, it's like, it won't be as detrimental because I can just do, like... It's a broken system. It's so broke. It is not safe. And the people who are making these decisions are people who do not have to walk into the school. Like, you get to chill. There are kids. You can work from home. You can do whatever. Yeah. It's like, it's not enough time to figure out a solution. Personally, I feel like they should just skip the school year this year, honestly. If, at best, I say they're not going to be adequately ready until, I feel like, next fall, September 20, like fall 2021. I'm not cutting you off, but I do want to just add a deeper question to that. So let's just say they skip this school year. So would the child repeat the second grade next year or will they or they get the online education move to the third next year? That's and that's the other thing. Cause I'm like, obviously saying skip the skip the school year sounds great, but it's not plausible. It's not realistic, right? So it's kinda like number one, I do feel like we're gonna start seeing a rise in homeschooling. Like, which we already kind of saw. And I feel like parents did kind of form some sort of habit. Like, I'm not going to lie. Teaching is hard. Like, I don't do it. I don't care to do it. (laughs) Like, it's not something I was ever passionate about. But it's like, okay, she's here. I'm here. We got to get this homework done. I can help you with English. Like, I know that. (laughs) But it's just like, you're now putting education in the hands of people who are not trained to teach this subject. People who have not been in school for a long time. It's like, duh, I suck at math. I am not it. new math. I, first of all, even when I was in math, I like slid all the way through. Like I took algebra to statistics. I managed to skate around pre-calc. Like I didn't take it. Like (laughs) that ain't it for me. So it's like, you're now doing this. And then it's like, for me, it's like, I realized like, I don't, it's stressful. And it's like, because we're here, we're both working from home. And you have this, I can't just leave you unattended to do this work because if you have questions, you're not going to know. So then it's like, okay, I'm in the Zoom meeting, but let me pause them to so manage your hand and be right back. And it's like, how many times is your manager going to let you do that? You know, because you have to help your kid with homework. So it's a new normal that I think everybody has to adjust to that we haven't. And there is no real solution unless you start busting kids to these schools and the suburbs that can handle the amount mm, of everybody that's <laughs> but for real and then it's like on top of that you get into the lack of what was already there right yes they don't give good lunches to these kids mm-hmm. they don't have air good air conditioning half mm-hmm. these schools have asbestos don't half of these kids half air these kids can't get yeah. can't get books anyway nope. and it's like y'all messed up with the bare minimum so it's like y'all gotta fix that first before we can even figure out a solution mm-hmm. to get these kids mm-hmm. in here and it's just it's a lot of pressure on everybody yeah. and it's like it's it's forcing that thing of it's forcing parents to parent mm. more and I'm not saying that to say people are bad parents but it's like now you're responsible for your you're child's fully education fully aware of what they learning cause you're 
teaching it. You have to be more hands on with them. Hands on for sure. And then you get into it's just like it's just it's a lot. It's a headache to even think about and it's like Mm -hmm. it's here. You know what I'm saying? Like thirty days. Literally. We honestly right, we start teachers start professional development and like fifty five days until Labor Day. And I'm just like <laughs> I looked it up because I'm like we gotta see how many how long they it's literally two months like how do you and they gonna be done in that time oh, it's gonna be a whole different ball game mm-hmm. yeah and it's like you gotta think it's like I feel like every school's gonna have its own set of challenges <laughs> the schools here in the inner city their challenges are just gonna be basic like how do they get this information to the kids how are the, how are these kids gonna be taught right how is it gonna be graded like what's gonna happen right. And then I feel like the issue in the suburbs would be because from what I personally have noticed, like the people in the suburbs are the ones who are most anti like mask and everything. Right. So it's going to be like, mm. if your school is requiring a mask mm-hmm. and your kids have to wear it, your kid comes like, my mama said I ain't got to. Okay, Henry, but you're here. So you yeah. have to. Right. And then it's like when your kid starts getting marked down or getting kicked out of class, they're going to be pissed. So that's going to be their whole entitlement issue yeah. is going to be an issue in the well, suburbs. I didn't even think entitlement. Yeah, it's going to be different issues. It depends it, on the yeah. county. That's what I said. It depends on where you live. Mm-hmm. Be a whole different set of issues. That's and, why I, I watched yeah. the boss interview and it was, Ugh. she did horrible. But the only thing that I, I thought about was she can't answer none of these questions because there's there's not a one size fits all plan for this. It literally, the DPS is different than charter. Yep. Livonia is different than can. <laughs> West Bloomfield, so it's like there is absolutely no way to guarantee the safety of the staff, the teachers, because if it, if, if it's air, if it's in the air, how how you gonna clean all the vents, the air ducts? How you gonna clean the AC units, the heating units? Because they gotta yeah. require kids to go to gym. They gotta get that. Yeah. Uh, now they're saying they're gonna push back sports, which brings a whole different issue. Oh, Imagine you've been yeah. trying to earn a scholarship mm. all your life. Mm. It's your senior year in high school, and it's like. No football season. No basketball. No softball. No volleyball. And it's like, what about the athletes? That's the whole different What about the student athletes? You're missing a part on that. It's student, right? right. That's the part. Because even even though you are this athlete, the whole point of you being an athlete, you're still supposed to maintain your GPA. You're still supposed to have some sort of idea, right? Because one of the things I used to make fun of people for, even though I was a journalism major, I used to say, yo, all the football players are always communication majors because it's the easiest major to get into, easiest one to get out of, right? Mm -hmm. It requires the bare minimum of work to go through. And it's like you put so much emphasis on your child being an athlete versus them being a student. And it's like all they can say is, I'm going to go to college, I'm going to play football. But it's like, what are you going to go to college major in? What is your what is your academic plan? Do you know the rates of that? That falls back. back that talk. part falls back to the parent. That goes back to the, having to talk with your kids at like, a young age. It goes back to the parent, and it's like, does your kid have a backup plan? Yeah. And this is in right. situations like this. It's like I can't even. I get that you may have been looking forward to the scholarship. That sounds nice, but it's like, can you earn? You can't. You mean to tell me you can't get in college on your own merit? And if you can't get into college on your own merit without you being an athlete. That's a problem. If an athlete is just only thing that you are, that's the issue. That's a whole nother. Yeah, that's a whole that's different a whole conversation. I don't. I, I say like, I want to get in now, but I'm going to stick to the opening of school. <laughs> y'all feel like y'all <laughs> safe. It's a whole <laughs> that's a whole thing. different layer. Um, so is you, are y'all do y'all who speak for each other? No, I speak for myself. But, he I mean, speak for him. Yeah, Ooh. but sorry. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. I was like, I need to come out like that. It's really too much for me to add. It's the same thing. I just don't feel safe. I mean, we have. Like you said, 50, they go back after Labor Day. They ain't enough time to, they don't have a good solution that's reputable mm-hmm. for me. 
So what would a good solution be like to parents? Before I get to you as the teacher, what solution would y'all need to give you that peace of mind to say, okay, baby, I'm going to drop you off at school. I'll be, be here to pick you up at 3.30. I don't think there is one right now, bro. The cases are still rising. They don't have no – we went from it was deadly to go outside to boom. Now it's back up. Now we're chilling. Now it's – we don't know what's about to happen now. They rising like They're rising. They're yeah. going up. She this just extended the um, state of yeah. emergency to August 11th. Let me you know say this. So – I don't feel comfortable going into my workplace. I'm not about to send a child yes. into a school building. If I don't feel comfortable going into my into my job, I'm not about to send you into a school building. I can't do it. Like I can't. I feel like I guess for us it would be more of a privileged situation, right? Privilege. Yeah. Here's why. Because of the fact A, we have internet access. Had the means to get her her own computer. Right. Oh, we yeah. are. I'm working from home. His schedule is really flexible, so it's like if she needed help, we're in a very different situation. You yeah. know what I mean? So it's like there are a lot of other things, ways we could help, like ways we could do. So you got other people who. What about the woman who's the nurse who her kids have to go back to school? You know what I mean? And it's just like the people with multiple children. What do they do? It's a completely. It's, it's literally there is no one answer for this. There so, is no one answer for so this. So is school made for education or for as a babysitter? Both. We have to be very realistic and say that it's both. We have to be very honest teachers, and say that it's both. Teachers A lot become, of teachers won't appreciate you saying that because, yes, we went to school to be educators. But in all honesty, when you're teaching in our environment with the holes that are within our system, you have to be honest with yourself, okay? How many parents drop their kids off sick to school before the pandemic, right? Babies coming in with tissue boxes, and I teach high school, drop because they have to go to work. Mm-hmm. You know, it's my little kids who get dropped off sick, who will come into school, right? Yeah. First hour. Saying, oh, I got a headache. I don't feel good. But their parents will say, yo, you got to go because I got to go to work. Yep. Okay. And it's not necessarily, I feel like that term babysitter is really like, it's, it's been turned into this negative. Like, I'm not a babysitter. I'm an educator. Yes. Nobody's taking away your educator title. We love all educators. Let's be honest with ourselves. You are it's responsible like we, for that kid. We, we have, have to. Yeah, let's be honest. <laughs> and then the other part of it is it goes beyond just the fact that the parent needs somewhere to go. Like, sometimes it's the only place a kid can get a shower. It's the only place a kid can get food. Right. So yeah. it's like we – it's the only place you're they're guaranteed breakfast and lunch. Yep. So it's like a parent only has to worry about getting them dinner. You know what I mean? You know our – yeah, actually – 74% under the poverty line. Yeah. 74% or 73% of the students in the city depend on that lunch date. And, and then breakfast. it's like you get into that, and then you got to look at the – last I checked, it was like 43% of the city is functionally illiterate. So now functionally you're functionally illiterate trying to teach kids at home. Like that's the – No is, one's look. you know what I'm saying? We should be outraged. Yeah. I'm getting hot. <laughs> it's different. I'm getting angry. Like, they, no. like that's something that we don't talk about. Like that's that's that goes back to the campaign thing I talked to you about. You you meet these some of these kids' parents. It's like okay, no wonder little Billy can't read. Parents don't know. Like, it's like Billy no can't talk. Like it's no not, wonder he. And it's know? not their fault. Like people were put in a situation where it's like I have to work. It's the school. So my family. Like the no people left behind rule. People I'm were so yeah no people were thrust into different situations and then it does get into. It, parents cussing teachers out because their kids are failing instead of asking what can they do to help their kids mm-hmm. like to keep them from feeling like where do they need help at you know what I mean mm-hmm. parents don't want to they feel like if he if the child is failing it's the teacher's fault Absolutely. they feel like 
homework that was like you should do all your schoolwork at home like at school you do not need to bring it home i can't help you parents feel like they have enough time trying to do everything else the last thing they want to do is sit down at the table to sit and do homework with their kid right that's a total different story right now because our parents made time to work now if you got to have a hundred different streams of income to stay afloat yeah. but you really don't have time to spend with your kids because by the time you get them home cook your homework you cooking they showering doing homework and then boom sleep now we up doing the same thing again y'all really ain't had time to talk for real mm-hmm. You know, so it's yeah. the struggle is way different than when we grew up. It is completely different. It's like you get into it. It's like it's so easy to blame everybody. It's so easy to blame the parent. It's so easy to blame the teachers. Mm-hmm. And it's just like you can't. You can't like everybody solution. has to work together. Yeah, right? thank you. Absolutely. And yeah. it's like we make education so linear, like it's so flat, like education is one size everybody doesn't learn the same one size fits all the same i don't learn i have always been a visual learner i need to see i can learn better like if somebody was to build a car in front of me right now i would probably do it better having watched them built it and then go rebuild it than for me to sit here and read instructions on how to do it that is how i verbally getting told street directions like i don't like i don't know what left on pambrook's right on nope no idea give me a gas station show me a map i'm kidding i gotta touch it i gotta build see how it flows i can see you do it and i'm like okay well let me try it and i try it and be like no do it you should do it this way boom then that's why i get i get better off a process of doing it myself versus right because we're all four of us and you and I learn the same way, but out of four of us, we have three different learning styles. Think about a kid. If all you do is sit in the class and watch somebody point to a board, if you don't identify as a visual learner or an audio learner, you're not learning. I find I think education needs to be flexible. Mm-hmm. But look at how we had to learn it, though. We all was taught one way in school. Yeah. By the chalkboard. I got to college and was like, I don't learn yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. This is I'm stupid. Like, I don't learn And then y'all way. have to also think about how were the teachers that are teaching now taught. Very true. Okay. Y'all it is only those. now also, that teachers are, are being more teachers, innovative. teachers now, though. Too. Oh, yeah. Well, teachers are... Period. I feel like teachers now have a lot more responsibility on their backs yes, than before. Because aside mm-hmm. from that, they have to figure out how they're going to get the tools they need to teach these kids, Right. And then it's like back to the babysitter thing. It's like at the end of the day, it's just like it's just like your coworkers, right? Like people are oddly close to the people you work with because you see these people more than you see your own family. Literally, you're with them forty hours a week, right? So you do become bare minimum, so, right? <laughs> depending on jobs, so you do become closer to them than what you would actually think. And then it's like with the teachers, it's like yo. They the ones who seen the first the kid's first heartbreak in the hallway. They're the ones like when mm-hmm. your kid isn't getting any sleep because he had to get his baby sister, baby brother up and get them to school and then get himself ready. And then mama's coming home from second jobs to just to drop y'all off at school. It's like they see that. You know what I mean? Like they're yeah, the first point yeah. of resources for that. Mm-hmm. They see that. And it's like they we put more expectations on our teachers than we do the police. Teachers, yeah, are are teaching your ch- you're teaching your children soft skills more than anything else yeah. honestly and when you think about back to a, a lesson you learned or your favorite teacher think about the feelings you had or why why or why was a lesson why did the lesson stick with you the soft skills that we that that we teachers teach our kids go with them further than any type of math problem you've done any pem what's what it goes pembas uh, parentheses <laughs> exponents no all that stuff no my dear aunts, look at that. Okay. 
But the soft skills are how to talk to people. Still teaches kids how to tie ties in school. He teaches young men how to shake hands. They remembering that more than they remembering the geometry class or Miss Johnson's earth science class. They not remembering uh, photosynthesis and why it's happening. Okay, so that I don't want to go into my spiel <laughs> about this whole coronavirus and stuff, but I'm about I'm about to go ahead and get into it. Okay. <laughs> about my, my feelings on schools reopening in the fall. And it goes into my feelings of teachers are there more than just to educate children on math, science, and social studies. We're there as um, community members, and we lost that for a long time. And I truly believe that the solution that has put in front of me as online learning is not doing the job at all, okay? Me doing... Um, in my district, where the before school shut down, we were doing online classes. So every subject did online classes once a week. So a kid saw English on one day, math on another day. And every week I did the learning, I had less and less students coming and logging in. Now, why do you think that? Um, one, it, uh, the governor did not make it mandatory. The governor said strictly the students cannot be punished for not attending school. So basically, a, if a kid had a B plus. They could maintain that B plus if they attended class or not. If a kid um, came into class every day, I would give them points toward and their grade would go up. So if a kid had a D, it would be very advantageous of them to come in and join class because really, I appreciate you joining in. Now I'm gonna boost your grade up some. You know what I'm saying? Come but a lot on, of come yeah, but this but a lot of kids didn't take advantage of that. So I get uh, an A just for showing up now. Um, no, that's Everybody not what I said. You can gain points, you can't lose. You can't lose points. So if you, if mind you, before the pandemic hit, if he had a C minus mm -hmm. and he never did anything from March until June 19th or whatever last, he would maintain that grade in my high school class, okay? Now, my district also said we're giving kids computers who don't have them, and then our school also said if one parent had five kids, we, we made a promise to give all five kids a laptop. So I know you mentioned the problem of if I'm a single parent, I can't afford five computers. Well, a lot of people, you know, DPS even gave each kid um, an electronic device. So, um, But even with that being said, the online Zoom classes are not the same as in-person instruction. And like y'all said, we all le learn differently. So how many of us are learning from listening to a teacher on a, U a YouTube style video or live Zoom session? Not a lot, especially kids who, who a lot of kids came to me saying, I love science because I get to actually do an experiment or do something hands on in this class. Other classes, I got to listen to a teacher talk. But in my class, they got to do stuff. And it was, I'll be sitting here like, I can't do nothing. And up in here, I was, I was trying, I was trying so hard, but what my passion does not come across as online. So, um, I'm not saying that there is not a danger when I make this statement, but the th we need to have school in the fall and our kids are going to get hurt. Our community members are going to be hurt the most by a um, moratorium on sco uh, school this uh, this fall. Let's just, let's just put a pause on all fifth grade learning. Let's put a pause on all third grade learning. You know how many, you know many, count, not many things have been put a pause on? No, none of the juniors took their SAT tests. So the juniors didn't take their SAT test. We're pushing that back another year and putting that back more months. I don't know. You know, it's a lot. But that's make, I want to make sure my statement is clear. The online learning is not doing enough for our community members and our students. And we need to find a better solution. Um, I know uh, administrators are trying to find a better way to do like a hybrid version of online versus 
um, in-person instruction, but I really have strong feelings toward those parents who don't have a glass full like you two have. You know, you two have a more flexible schedule. You can lean on each other, but I know a lot of single mothers who don't have that opportunity. You said earlier, Alex, that a lot of um, a lot of our neighbors are uh, essential workers. We're the ones going in and risking our lives every day. And we don't, when we come home, mind you, how much time, you know what I'm saying? How much time do we actually have to dedicate to our, towards a child learning? We're not dedicating it towards a, how did your day go? Or let's make dinner together. We're talking about your education. What's going to take you to the next step in next step in your life. That's not an after school activity. That's the, that is the main thing. And you're going to tell me that's an online computer Chromebook act. No. So I'm, 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 I can't th- still always ask me, well, what's the solution? I think we have a thousand people trying to come up with a solution yeah, right now. And it's true. like, we're it's all hard. Crap. Yeah. What, what's going on? Chefs in the kitchen. Yeah. It is. That's but pretty much what it is. DPS is taught at home. They Flint, Saginaw. We see it. You know what I'm saying? Everywhere is taught differently. So they have to figure out a solution. But right now they're trying to just put everybody in a box. All right, school. But they you know can't. It's like you fixing the school is like putting a Band-Aid on the ocean you know what I mean because it's like especially when urban schools it's so many other things that factor into even the condition that they're in like for years our kids are the worst like perfect example back in 2006 when I applied to Central right it was fall 2006 right and I literally got a scholarship because I had a two point you needed a 2.5 and then you needed like a 16 on the ACT I had like a 3-4 and a 24 on my ACT. You know, like the expectation for a scholarship was so low and it specifically was because I was black and from Detroit. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's like we're... Like all, yeah. <laughs> like So we're already at like this huge disadvantage and people know it. You know what I'm saying? They, they already don't it. expect it. Isn't that crazy? So it's like now you have to yeah. like... You're putting this burden on people to stop and try mm-hmm. to figure out to teach your kids or the best way big mama can't do it no more you know what i'm saying like you have you're trying to put them and it's just like school has never looked less appealing to anyone like if i was like high school senior going into if this was my senior year high school coming into it right i'm not going to college in 2021 i'm not like i'm not even about to sit here and say that's what i want to do i would have zero desire of going into a university or going to school because it'd be like your for what? mindset now or your mindset back mindset then? now okay. like not but let me phrase that mindset like if i were a student right now and like going through this pandemic i probably wouldn't want to go to college i, I would have me as I would, a 17 year old girl i would still want to i would have zero desire to really go Why? to school mostly because for me the reasons like I, part of my reason for going away right uh-huh. i'm only child single parent gotcha. right so you're going to college for the full experience. You're not going to get that. <laughs> like, especially now, because who knows when they're going to open dorms? Who knows how that whole situation is going to go? Everything is converted to online. So it's like my part, not my whole reason for going, but part a big chunk of what convinced me to go was just to experience like life on that side. Right. Mm-hmm. So then it's like you're in this pandemic and it's like, are you going to stress yourself out? Like, are you going to take the time to really study? Are you going to put forth all this extra effort for what? And then it's like, if you're not being taught properly this year and prepare us for that, you're going to be so far behind, like having to play catch up in order to even qualify and make it through your freshman year of college. It's going to be so much harder 
for like the Detroit Public High School students who are going who are in tenth grade, going into eleventh grade. For them, if this school year doesn't go off for them, to be saying. able to get into college and to be able to live, they right. might make it one semester before they call it quits because of how far they are behind. Like the things that they would expect you to know going into an English one on one class or a math one on one class, you're not gonna know. Or even or even when you get to college, a lot of them put in um, English zero nine eight or something, yep. and it's not necessarily. Uh, college credit is just getting you caught it's just up. so you can and you gotta pay for it you know it's the fact that people know that um the education the, the educational system is so divided and we just kind of like float with it's it it's, it's crazy it's strategy and that's when you go back to get into systemic problems like systemic that's problems. literally what it is and that's Food, what education I think, money right else comes out of those three oh, yeah. and, and i think nobody living in these homes over here come money out all over yeah. you know jobs Count that exactly. on. And now we're talking about yeah. education. Like I'm saying, you gotta look. It's a strategic. Yeah, that's why all the schools. The big ones. We rode by Cooley yesterday. We not yesterday, but what was it Saturday? Yeah. We was like, that school is big as Cooley is huge. You ever seen Cody? I grew up around the corner from Cooley. You haven't seen? Have you seen Cody? Uh, yeah. All I know is East Side. Yeah, yeah. whatever. I'm anyway, just, <laughs> I'm just, <laughs> he's like, oh, yeah. that's all I know. Every yeah. time we go east for a ride, just the cruise, we go east. I don't yeah. know west. I'd be like, you drive, show me the way. Wow. I mean, because I, mean, I don't know what to like, show. Because it's, just, it's like, home for me. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like, I don't know what you don't know. Like, yeah, but as soon as we go, we still going through all the old This is where Finney used to go. This is where Dorita lived. This was she'd be like, that's oh. cute that y'all cruise. Okay, first of all, here's the thing. I, I lived in the same I, I, house my whole life. So it's like, I don't yeah. can't say, oh, I grew up over here and then I moved over. Like, no, I just, I've lived here. I, I went I to Renaissance. Went to that. <laughs> I discovered Austin Road and was amazed. Like, oh, it's amazed. Like, <laughs> wow, wow, like, wow. Him and Eric made fun of me. Not taking off the head. Why he take off the headset? Why he just took off the headset? So. It's completely, it's a completely different thing, you know. It is, but Austin Road High. Yeah, it's like Portlandia. It is, man. It's a cool area. Yeah. With this whole school thing, <laughs> I know you're not thinking. It's like Puritan or Hubble. <laughs> the equivalent, honestly. It's, it's neither, neither for me, you know. Like again, I don't. You know, I, don't, I split the city in like that way. Like I look at Roseville, Warren. Like that's all East Side stuff. It's all East Side uh-huh. to me. <laughs> give me Dearborn, give me Allen Park, <laughs> Little Livonia, maybe. You know, like I can handle that. No, I just I, Clinton Township, nobody like Madison Heights, Roseville, a Troy, all that I know. Yeah. I feel like I know all of I feel like nobody is my Troy. Yeah, <laughs> that's how I feel. Like it's it's completely different. But um. Yeah, schools. I just I think you you were making a point of all the systemic problems, and I think coronavirus has shined a, a light on a lot of issues. And the first one was kind of oh well, we have to continue the meal distributions to the students because they depend on it. Mm-hmm. Like, people were like, well, what? That was what? Shocking. I don't know why it was shocking. No, people. We knew it. Yeah, because I was like, I was like, that was they. We're gonna say they. They didn't. That was the first thing I thought about when they were like closing schools. I'm like, what about these kids? They go where they gonna eat here? They eat breakfast, lunch. That's a whole different conversation. So you mean to tell me that we had 74, 73 percent of the parents in the city of Detroit can't afford to feed their child? That's a whole different discussion mm-hmm. that needs to be had. But in order to have that discussion, you have to have the minimum wage dis- wage discussion. Exactly. Because Which goes back to yeah. education. And it, but no, it goes back into that's not a little elitist. It's not elite. A, yeah. This elitism type of thing, right? Because a lot of people, like for me personally, when I graduated college, I could not land a job anywhere. Like newspaper industry completely clashed. It was just like whatever. So I kept working. 
my retail job and I was just kind of like freelancing here and there on the side. And it was like I was making minimum. I came out. I was making seven dollars and forty cents an hour when I was working at this department a store. Degree. Whole batch, right. whole bachelor's okay. degree. And I remember it was one day I was working and I got so offended because this guy had told me he was he was being a completely jerk and it was like you know trying to do stuff against our policy and I'm repeating myself blah blah blah. And he actually said to me he was like, well if you don't want to be here then you should have went to school. And I was like, first of all, I have a bachelor's degree and I'm in school for my master's right now. This is what I do. So <laughs> I'm here, you know, because this is what my job industry looks like. And he just starts stuttering. I'm like, I'm pretty sure you work at a plant. So oh, <laughs> it was just kind of like a, I was kind of a jerk, but it was just like, Renaissance. you look at you, <laughs> you look at it. <laughs> you look at it like you have these like, these people, right? And like all the people are people shamed for having these jobs, for having these fast food jobs, for saying like, oh, you need to live, like you live on this. They're the only people who literally saved you right now. Absolutely. Exactly. All of those Walmart Absolutely. workers, Absolutely. all of those Kroger workers, and all of the fast food work workers, <laughs> like all these people. Coney too. Coney. Yeah. Listen, <laughs> all of these people who literally like have been your lifeline, like if these Absolutely. people decided to not work be- for their minimum wage, you would have nothing. They would have strike. They needed to. That would have. I said this. I said, bro, they would have went on strike. This is the time. This was the time where they should have gone on strike because they would have gotten the federal minimum. They would have went ahead and raised the federal minimum wage to fifteen dollars. Because I, you believe in it being fifteen dollars? Yes, I believe the federal minimum wage should reflect what it actually costs for a person to live. It should reflect the minimum wage should always reflect the cost of living. That's That's it. it. We're not asking for too much. It's not. There is anything like that. People always, once upon a time, these fast food jobs were for high school students. You know what I'm saying? They were for people who were high school dropouts. They were. They were for just like they weren't permanent jobs, right? Mm But now we we live in we live in a time intangible things where you couldn't get an hour they were hour class learning hours right but we have since moved into a time where (laughs) outer class learning hours where internship we're not we're gonna be the people we don't retire we can't afford to retire there there are elderly people right now who you see working in Walmart you see bagging groceries at Kroger because they can't afford their medicine. You know what I'm saying? There are people exactly. I was like, so that fast food job has now turned into a job that you need to literally survive, right? And then it's like you get you barely you will see jobs and be like, yeah, we want X Y Z, blah 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 blah. You need to have a bachelor's degree. And we're paying eleven dollars an hour, (laughs) and it's like some people because their pride is too big, they will take that job because the title looks good. It falls into line of what they went to school for. Mm-hmm. But now you need to supplement your life, right? Absolutely. Like, my decision to go into retail, <clears throat> to just kind of stay in retail, figure out other paths through it, mm-hmm. fell back to, I had a friend who was working at the Chicago Tribune. We all know the Chicago Tribune. It's a big national paper, right? Mm-hmm. She's working 80-hour work weeks. She does not have health insurance. Her job is temporary. Our pay rates are almost the same. You know what I mean? But it's like, mm. but she's a journalist for the Chicago Tribune. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's kind of like it gets the status thing. And it's just like, I don't care if anybody who was like, unless you about to support my life, then it is what it is, you know? Like, I get pots on discount. I'm great. Like, it is what it is. But it's just like, we have this thing where it's just like, it's part of the pressures of graduate life, right? Nobody, 
ever talks about postgraduate depression because it is a thing. Sure. It is a phase we all. It's a phase we all go through, right? Sure. Because it's I, like you yeah. you go through like this is how it was supposed to happen, and then and it's it like in college. Care. It was so much easier for you to land internships so you make these connections. It's like, oh, you're a college student? Okay, yeah, this is what it is. Simple. And then once you're done, <laughs> it's just like, okay, now you're just a regular person out here in the world. You got to figure this you gotta, you gotta figure this out. <laughs> like, it gets, that makes it, like, so much different, right? And then it's like, these jobs become more than just being these minimum wage jobs. These jobs are how you're about to establish your life. They're how you're about to start this business. They are, like, how you take care of your kids. They are the most flexible with times and schedules. Like your office, your nine to five ain't it. Like office mm-hmm. jobs are not it. Office yeah. jobs are hard to come by. Like it's very easily at the job I was working at. It's like if I needed a day off, I can very easily swap with another person and be on my way. I can if I need to go pick up somebody else's kids, I could do that. Like you know what I mean. So it's like we act like stuff is so much simpler than what it actually is because then mm-hmm. you get into transportation D- detroit does not have a great transportation system we have one of the worst in the country like it gets into public transportation who uses that money exactly that? like who Goes gets back to where do we like who is using like where are these jobs gonna go so it's like you're working wherever is nearest to you whichever will require you to be able to get there the easiest so it's like whether it's a straight bus shot up grand river whether it's you walking around the corner and what jobs are there fast food you know what i mean so it's like and it's like people love to talk about like fast food like it's a dead-end street but the thing is it's like for you to be in there that's when you start realizing who making money like the store manager i was working at once i found out his salary was like a hundred thousand dollars it's like maybe retail isn't so bad let me let let me start looking at what these district managers are making and once you start crunching numbers things start looking real different a lot of people are managers of stores and they make a lot of money. Managers Target. And it sounds like, oh, you remember Target? It's because you don't know how much I am paid. You know what I mean? It's like working for these companies, they're not necessarily dead-end streets. And then it's like crazy thing is when you do get into some of these corporations, like the one I work for, they give you like adoption assistance. They give you like medical insurance. It's like you get in, like there are real benefits for actually working, but it depends on if they can handle you if they can afford to take you full time and then it depends on you like how far you actually want to go people hear retail and they automatically think it stops at the store clerk it doesn't get into distribution we don't get into supply chain we don't get into who buyers are like because those are things that you usually think you need a degree for where reality is you can get into you can jump start through that and go through a manager program like Mm -hmm. they will hire internally first before they pull in uh, somebody with a degree because you're already familiar with their system Mm -hmm. and it's just like i've been prompted to move like completely out of state like i had a company who wanted to take me out of state to go to their headquarters in ohio to be able to work there and if things didn't go the way that they went for me that's what i would have did like it's completely different it's like we always think so short but a lot of times because people think of like what they need in that moment month to month because we live because that's how we have to live and it's like nobody should we slam these people like we slam women for like you got your you leave your kids with just anybody but it's like she has to you know what i'm saying she doesn't have I help can't depend on my sister my friends my mama like she doesn't have the help so it's like help. right she, she can't get paid yeah. so you know it's so. like you whoever take them sure please thanks you know like yeah. it's just so i can get this done and it's like stop judging people on their situations too i though. just feel like live minimum wage say something happened to the kids and then like First thing you do is, why did you leave them with What now I gotta explain myself? Now you leave them, you take them with you, you screw. You leave them there, you screw. So it's just like, I can't win for losing. It's just like, I feel like, like minimum wage is supposed to be minimum wage for you to be able to survive off of. 
that's one person. Minimum wage should be like there. And people are like, well, police officers only make X, Y, Z. Okay. That's the point. That's the issue too. Like, why are they only making X, Y, Z? Because that means they're barely making the minimum wage it requires to live. So you imagine risking your life for $40,000 a year? No. Can you imagine the stress? That's how much, literally, that is how much I was made to push, like, to sit there every day in front of my computer and type out, like, terrifying You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I made more of my working for a phone uh, phone company, selling cell phones, than I did my first year teaching high school kids, you know? And it's like, right, what the... The first job offer I had, people don't talk about commission jobs. So let me tell you, the oh, <laughs> commission checks. Is, yeah. Listen, when I was selling cologne, it was a completely different thing. First of all, I was getting free cologne, which is great. Y'all want to send me $150 bottles? Absolutely. Yeah. We'll take all of them. Uh-huh. And then it's like, you know, commission adds up quick. But I digress. Point is, it's just like, because <laughs> like, for real, it's like once you get into it, it's like, I get it now. Like, I really understand it. Like, yo, like, Ain't too bad, but you have to have a plan though. Everybody isn't afforded the luxury to have a plan. With me, it's a little bit different. I didn't have kids at the time. I was a dating, so it was like mm-hmm. I literally could have did. They told me like, "Hey, we're gonna see you in Cincinnati." That's how I tell her. Her sure. sister, her sister works at Amazon, manager at Amazon. With Amazon, you get paid ten thousand dollars to go to let's say Cleveland, example, and just open a open a store. They give you ten thousand pay for you. Train the people. There train you. They'll pay you to live, to drive H- all that. H and M is the same way. I'm like, if I, if I man, if I would be twenty three and heard about that, I'm chew. I chew, literally know chew. people. And you're knocking a lot of stuff off your bucket list. You get Bro. to travel at the same time. I know of someone cities. who went from H and M. She was a store manager there, and then moving like bouncing for the same reason mm-hmm. to open up another store. Now she work. Well, she was at Nike. Now she work at Pumas Corporate. Yeah, it's all you like it's the, that bounce out. Like there are things we can do, but it's like we job shame so much. People always like Pride. to talk about what people do, and it's just like I'm one of those people. I don't care what you do as long as you work, and as long as your goal is to be better. It's like if you want to work at fast food, cool. cool, that's it. But your goal should not just be on fries for the rest of your life. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, at least move to sh- shift manager something. Yeah. Like, you should always desire to want to be better works. than who you are. So. Listen. <laughs> you should always desire to be better than who you are. Like, I feel like we're constantly evolving. Once you become stagnant is when all the problems start. That is when you start to feel the pressure of everything. And I feel like we look at these parents and it's like, they're, they're stressed out. And can't focus on their kids. They can't. They can barely focus on feeding their kids. And now you want them to add teaching their kids on top of trying to figure out how they're about to budget all of this stuff. Because it's like what we're not talking about is like kids are home more, so that means they use they utility eat, yeah. more. They're eating more, so they it's like now. So now you're talking about their water bills have gone up, their mm. DTE bills have gone up, the food bill has definitely gone up, and then it's like if the parent was employed and was unemployed. Now you're talking about if they had a bridge card beforehand and they're not getting one now because of the fact that they're making too much unemployment. So, because their salary, their unemployment, because of the fact that their unemployment salary has hit hit a certain point, you no longer qualify for a bridge card. So if you were getting one before, you, they're not They made it seem like everyone was qualified to get one. You got one initially, but that was it. They were not reloading them. So then think about the people who were already on them who were looking like it's it's a lot there are layers it's wow. layers to how this how this system works and how it works against people. Mm. So they set it up like we here for you. Then you gotta figure out they still gotta buy kids clothes, all this stuff. It's yeah. a lot, you know. 
So it's just like I just want people to be more understanding, more understanding because I don't even know that. Yeah, that's crazy. It's like it's just it's one of those things. It's just like it's so much. It's so much going on. It's almost hard to keep up with everything. And I do feel like at the end of the day, the pandemic has not only forced us to focus on structurally the issues that we have, yep. is made people a lot more understanding. Hey, and it makes people wash their hands. Like, I am grateful for that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because it's like, dog, the stuff y'all should have been doing, like, this should be foreign to you. Like, I feel like, you know, all the people who are like, yeah, we need to buy clean products. You don't need no harsh chemicals. All those clean products are on the shelf. I just want to throw that out there. <laughs> Becky, stop saying that shit when they yeah. start. When they was like, "Uh, you need to disinfect." Like, than like, what are y'all doing? You know, I'm like, it's like, a lot of ass sitting on toilets that ain't clean. Like, it's just ridiculous. Like, how are you gonna clean it today? Yeah. I'm just concerned yeah. with people and how 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 they do things logically. It's just yeah, crazy. but you know, people want their haircuts. They wanted to go boating, and it's like. Oh, people well, ain't gonna go vote still. Voting. Oh. Vote. Oh, I thought B- you said vote. B-O-A-T. Vote, uh, you know, Alex is going. I got my ballot. I'm going to vote. Ooh. I want to vote. Uh, District yeah. 2. Oh, and a, oh. Right, we're this I house that we sit in. He's District 10. <laughs> <laughs> Alex is District 2. I have yet to change my address. Low key, yeah. I have yet to change my address, and that's just me being lazy. I just, I just haven't done it. So I still have to vote in district two until I do it. So as long as you, as long as you vote, as long as you it was a rule of the house. My mom was very staunch on it. That was the only thing that she actually required me to do was to vote. vote. Yes. Oh, that was your only rule that's, in the house. Solid. I didn't have to like. This is a, so clearly side. So I didn't get my first job until I was twenty one. Because I didn't have to, you know, like my mom was just like, I just want you to focus on school, whatever, right? So, <laughs> I was looking at my job. I did. I didn't get my first job till I was 21. How old were you when you got your first job? <laughs> 14, nine months. When I started driving, <laughs> <laughs> no, first job, I was a numbers kid. I didn't do. I mean, I had like opportunities, right? Like, I was an apprentice at the Free Press, I worked at the college paper, but like, as far as like an actual job, like, to, because I needed it. Was it I was twenty one? I didn't start paying my cell phone until I was like twenty six. I swear, like come on, mama Dang. just did that. It was just bundled into everything, right. so it was just like you know, it's a little, a little different, you know. Yeah. But uh, yeah, voting was the only thing that like was mandatory. But I also feel I like it's because of so how, cool. because, because of how my yeah. how old my mom is too. So my mom will be sixty five this year, mm-hmm. and my grandmother. Was she was born in 1925, so my mom grew up hearing a lot about like segregated. Mm. My grandmother's from Macomb, Mississippi, so my mom always heard of like my my great grandmother and my grandmother constantly pushing for that. So my mom felt like the least you could do for all the people who sacrificed their lives for you is to go out and vote. Because then my mom said, if there's something that you don't like, I don't want to hear you complain about it because you didn't do your part in trying to make a change. And people feel like voting doesn't work, whatever. But there's always something. Even if you don't like the people, if you don't want to vote for no like a candidate, there are always proposals on the ballot that directly Absolutely. affect you. There are millages on the ballot that always. you need to like yeah, vote always. for. So it's like at the bare my mom always told me like the bare minimum, go do that. Like yeah, if you don't do anything, can't you, not, can't you skip over stuff? Yes, and like say, you, I don't want to vote for that. You yes, can you absolutely. Yeah. If you don't want to vote 
for a candidate if you don't want to vote for like a person if you don't want to vote for a judge whatever you could totally and then just go straight to the proposals and the millages just, and exactly. submit your ballot There's totally so counts excuses, but um still and i've talked about um the idea of voting and like that wasn't discussed with us um, we, we have a very interesting perspective um our mothers are not united states citizens my mom just became a citizen like two years ago Still got a green so, card. My, yeah, so, yeah, so we didn't, yeah, so it's, we're cute. So we didn't have those discussions of voting. So the fact that you are like, yeah, oh, unique. my first, my mandatory thing was to vote. Like, I, I turned I, 18. I was still in high school. My mom <coughs> took me so I could get my new state ID and made me register to vote the same day. Oh, that's cute. I didn't register to vote until I got to college. Nope, I was 18. My first voting was me, Obama. Barack Obama. Yeah. Barack Obama was my first time. Same election, and I've literally, I have yet to miss voting in an election yeah, since I've been 18. I voted in every special election for Detroit, like when Kwame left and had to vote for Ken Cocker and all that stuff. Yeah, I voted in that one. That was a special, <laughs> was oh, a special wow. election. I oh, voted yeah. in literally oh, every single election. <laughs> I have voted in every single election. I am that person. And it's just, it is because of that. Like, my mom definitely pushed the history of voting and the importance of it. The history is the most important part, and that's why a lot of folks our age doesn't, don't care about voting, is they never knew the history behind what it took for us to even have that privilege yeah, to vote. That do, too. And just don't care. Yeah. Okay, that's the worst thing you could do, in my personal opinion. There are people older than the Voting Rights Act. And people, the Voting Rights Act was, what, 1965, I think? Yeah, that's what My mom was 10. You know what I'm saying? Like, my mom is 10 years older than the Voting Rights Act. So it's like... Like, my grandmother was 90, 94 when she passed. And we always, we don't make jokes. We always just discuss if, 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 if all of us live to be 90. So think about this. Your grandma, your grandma, my grandma was born in 1922. Mm. Talk about the first planes, cars, radio, television, mm. telephone, freeways. Think about everything that they've segregation, civil rights, mm, still, yeah, all in a lifetime what they experienced. Yep. So it's like to go to have that all that growth and to pass knowledge down. If you don't get that opportunity, you miss out on so much mm-hmm. fundamental experience and, and, and knowledge. But and it goes with value. A lot of people don't value the older things. That is true. Mm. That's because people don't verbalize history. Yeah. We already don't know it. You know what I'm saying? Like. We barely know our history. Like our history, every black person's history stops at some point. You know, so the, you can't like trace back. Yeah. yeah, you can't trace back your family history so far. Somebody and then, but it goes into effort with family. Like, mm-hmm. and it goes into generational differences. Like, mm-hmm. his younger sister, right? She's sixteen. So mm-hmm. she falls into this whole, <laughs> this whole new generation of um, they're what are they? I don't know what they're called. She's Gen Xers, Zers, whatever. We are X. Millennials are. And then it's like Alpha. I think she, the Alpha is like the baby babies. And then there's like Gen Z, whatever. Whatever number they are that's not millennial. So I had said something. I asked her who Madam CJ Walker is. She didn't know. Did you know at 16? Yes. But again, I. Right. I was in. See, we all knew the same people. I was in second grade. And I wrote my like black history figure I was given was Phyllis Wheatley. And then I discovered Ida B. Wells in the third grade and like I've been obsessed ever since. So it's like you get into where our assignments used to be like you can write you have to do a black history report. Three different people that was outside of Malcolm X 
That that used to be a thing. They they used to be like you have to write a Black History report on a figure that cannot be Malcolm X, Martin Luther King Jr., or Rosa Parks. So So it forced you to go look at people. I want to go back to you with the comment you just said. You said, uh, mind you, said um, that we don't respect our elders, and you're saying you're saying the reason why is because we don't pass on that knowledge of our history. Do you think that's the solution to respecting elders, just passing on? I think conversations are, yeah. that's it. Yeah. I think okay. those things need to happen because it kind of goes back to like, even when we had the sex conversation, it's like, we're not talking about our life experiences. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. Like when I have mm-hmm. kids, I'm going to have to explain to them like, yo, this one time when I was in college, I saw all of my guy friends be put on the ground by police and searched by dogs you know what I mean it's like it sounds crazy because that literally sounds like something out of like 1950 but this is 2009 you know what I mean mm-hmm. so it's like we don't talk enough about our experiences because everybody's We're taught to be how can I say this mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Don't be the reason I always want to be a journalist is because I feel like everybody has a story right like mm-hmm. that's it like it's the art of storytelling like everybody has some type of story and it's like they lead you up to this point so it's like you look at it like we look at our lives like it's crazy because I remember being little like hearing about like civil rights movement and all this stuff. I'm like, man, we don't have, like I don't really have nothing like that. Like we don't have nothing. But it's like mm-hmm. you're not paying attention to it because you're literally living through yeah. it. You like, know what right, I'm saying? Yeah. Like, we are living through an entire pandemic. This is history, history. book. We're one day going to have to tell our kids about this. You know Pre- what I'm saying? Corona. <laughs> we lived Pre- yeah. through what like a black president. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? We lived yeah. through what back to like a whole racist president we have lived through incredible like just stuff like we've gone from vinyl records to mp3s we have physically seen that in our lifetime like we are a transitional we are transitional people you know what i mean yeah like we are the transitional people we are the transitional generation and it's like we get no credit What's your story? You know what I'm saying? Like, you have to tell your kids your story. One day, your kids are going to ask how you met, right? How did we? So it's like, you have to, you're going to, they're going to ask, like, how did you meet? You're going to go through that. It's like random stuff. It's like, okay, who is this person? What's this? Like, my mom is like, I just call my mom like the gatekeeper because she has like pictures of everybody. Like, my mama is like, she has the pictures. She has like the family tree. Like, that's like her thing, right? So, like, if I needed to know something about who somebody was, it's like, all right, let me go ask you because this is what it is, Mm -hmm. right? So, it's like, we don't talk. She she's all right, you know. Yeah, but no. she's your mom. Does she? <laughs> <laughs> I said her, listen, you'll be like, oh, she she had text me. She like she, she just going. I'm like, I'm highly interested. <laughs> <laughs> she, just, I, she knows. Everything. Like she just be talking sometimes. But like, she stays in Detroit. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm about to cry. Yep. Oh, Finkel and Greenfield. About to pay her a visit. He stays listen, she, she don't know. care. <laughs> like a dead, like dead as one probably like pass all the joint. Like okay, so what's up? What's <laughs> like, it's, it's it's <laughs> like don't mind Daisy. <laughs> like that's our thing. But um, yes, oh. Daisy's my mom's daughter who that she didn't want, but now it's like it's her thing. It's you know, great. like that's all she got. But <laughs> we are. It's like my mom has never shied away from history. Like during my mom actually did a lot. I feel like. I'm in a completely different situation. <laughs> like, again, I feel like I'm in the 1% where when I was growing up, my mom was home with me all the time, right? So it was like, she made sure she was there. My mom took an interest in my schoolwork. She used to really, she taught me English off rip before I even got to school. 
And then she put a big effort in black history because she hated how it was taught in school. Absolutely. Mm. So she would, she actually had like this black like trivial pursuit game. So it was just like random oh, type cute. of like yeah. black history facts and different things mm-hmm. that she would just like spew off. So it's like I was made to know these things. My mom collect uh, like magazine articles and stuff, like anything event in history mm. if it was like black. So it's like I grew up seeing this yeah, stuff. Yeah. Like I grew up learning about these people and it's like now we don't take the time to do that with our kids you know what i'm saying we're not mm-hmm. taking the time to have this conversation it's like black history month is cool and it's like even mcdonald's took a bigger effort at black history month than the schools did like it Dang. was or a oh, tom joiner his 365 like yeah. you know what i mean like it one was the, a really big thing yeah one of the craziest things about black history month because i'm com- you know i'm from dps when i did my student teaching out in a um suburban district there was no acknowledgement of Black History Month. We're used to doing the Black History Month project and stuff in school during, you know, February, but yeah. they, they didn't even acknowledge it. I'm in this so, school and I'm yeah, like, dang, we're not doing a meeting. Projects, you got the assemblies where kids got to add out yeah, somebody. Man, I took not no door decorating or none of yeah, that. Yeah, none of that. Yeah, we used to do that. Colleges posted up. When I was in high school, it was really because we had an African-American history class, and that lady, like, it was, I loved her. But it was like, we learned about everything, right. you know what I mean? Like but To your point about history, I think still is in a really interesting position where a lot of the, um, a lot of his great-grandparents and great-great-grandparents, he, he's able to see his history. Like you're saying, we live it through history. Um, his grandmother walked in a freedom march uh, in Canada, his, um, she was one of two uh, first black um, nurses in Canada. His great uh, grandfather was the first Canadian uh, detective. detective in, you know what I'm saying? So he's able to do that. And I feel like that. I just feel so blessed that our children are going to be able to see that because I don't know. I don't have a um, relationship with my father. My father passed away in April and I don't have that history. So maybe if I did have some type of something to grasp onto, maybe I would be more aware of what's going on and stuff. Like you're saying, respecting elders and stuff. Uh, but That's also thinking. My next personal project is I want to do a family tree. Like, I'm mm-hmm. start, I started the ancestry just so I can see. Because my mom, we have information that goes back to 1861, I mm-hmm. think, from mm-hmm. my mom's side. So I want to see if I can push that a little further. My goal is to ultimately find a plantation. Like, I really would Sounds love to find a plantation. Oh, wow. But um, I want to actually write out my family's history. Like, I want to have a book written with, like, family tree, birthday dates, and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But then it's like, I want to write down, like, my history. Like, okay, these are the things that happen that I can recall in my life. So it's like, my kids can have this. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can see, like... This is like kind of like Anne Frank's diary, right? Like how Anne Frank wrote about her time in the attic and it was just like it became a thing. I want something like that, but I want it to be like my family's history for my kids. That is what I would like. So there's no questions later. But I am, I'm, I just feel like you can't know where you're going if you don't know where you've been. You can't. And plus, they're trying to find a way to not have us know our history. Exactly. You can see it's getting scarce and scarce. It is. It's you know, thinning yeah. out a lot. And I feel like a part of the, to me, one of the most offensive things that I have ever said is the, I'm not, we are not our ancestors. I hate that. I hate it with a passion. It drives <laughs> me insane. I think it is the most disrespectful thing. And I feel like, you're right, we're not, because half of us want to survive. 
You know what I'm saying? Five of us were oh, not surviving. Okay. You're saying that yeah, statement say implies and like, that yeah. they're, we're not as weak. That we're as better. Oh, yeah. We're better. We'll oh, okay. Back. I don't. I don't like, like, yeah, like we, like, we fight back. I'm like, but it's okay. Like, bro, you won't even leave your job tomorrow. If you exactly. Leave. You, you can't won't quit. watch the NFL. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You have poor commitment issues. So it's like. It's like you can't say. And our answer is just like, all right, bet. Like, I'm mm-hmm. sure, you know, you've ran from the pit bull, but you ever have a dog, like, specifically sit up, sit, sit, whatever. See, my so vision on that, like, I never seen it, I never thought about it from your point of view. I see it as I'm not passive. Like, my, I'm not going to sit here and silently accept you treating me like this. I'm going to step up and fight back. That's how I view that quote. But I view it like I think that that reality is not accurate. That they just sat back and like weren't were really passive on stuff, because you gotta think like, what laws have what laws have we passed versus them? Oh you none. Know what I mean, oh yeah, where where? So it's like you look they gave, at it, they gave us a little bit of here a little that y'all got, and we've been cool for fifty years. It's like <laughs> slavery in the eighteen sixty five, right? By nineteen sixty five is when the Voting Rights Act passed. It's a whole hundred years. Right. You figure the last act of the civil rights movement did not get passed till 1970. So it took like 105 years for, for us to really just be like completely a people. Didn't John Kyers pass that? Was that MLK's birthday? What was the last major piece that he, he passed? They got it. I was talking about the uh, M3s. Three? Yeah, because John Kyers was the that last was, piece of civil rights history that, that was accomplished, wasn't he? Yeah. John, John yeah. Conyers is uh, he just that's Ian's grandfather mm. from uh, modern um, I remember his poster was still up on the uh, from modern history yeah thing is it's like it's history from what once I found out that a lot of the pictures we see mm-hmm. for black history that are in black and white are done in black and white so that they could distort our reality of how we view what, what things happen if you see a picture in black and white versus uh-huh. color uh-huh. you're going to look at that black and white picture like it's older instead of it actually being a lot of the pictures oh, of the 60s pictures yep, a lot of the pictures oh. from the 60s and 70s were color like because think about it it's like how oh, was it that all, how was it that all the pictures that we have of like all these black pictures are in black <laughs> and white but my grandma pictures at her house and like this picture in the 70s you know it's a polaroid it is right and it's like she those, drapes and those pictures <laughs> those pictures were done and printed like the alleged from what I read were printed like that to distort history in a way to make it appear older than what it was because I'm like again a lot of people don't realize that yeah it was like a, some sort of like mind trick thing I'm like there are colorized photos that are starting to pop up now which look way better but, but not even yeah. Hmm. that was one of the things that was one of the I don't know if it's I read it in an article before but I don't know exactly how true it is but I believe it to be true because I could see textbooks doing that true. I'm like because that's what the big issue was it's like it's so far it textbooks. was so long ago it doesn't even but it's like, not oh, it's not it's a lifetime it's you said we're one generation <laughs> removed not even, from yeah, exactly. segregation mm-hmm. if depending on how old your parents are yep. so it's like the age of my mother I'm one generation removed literally from Jim Crow which mm-hmm. is crazy when you actually think about it it's nuts. Like that's what I said. Broke down my grandmother's life. It's like in her lifetime, she literally have seen even yeah. even the development of infrastructure, like planes, buildings, cars. It's even the racial thing. Like, yeah. like that's basically to see to, to the fact that you see a black president in her lifetime. Imagine that perspective when you look back yeah. on that. Like, like nobody, you know what I mean? Nobody. Like, 
Who would have thought, thought that? Yeah. I, was, I was marching with King in the 60s. How, who would have thought like, that? You did. know, like. Yeah, one of our presidential candidates marched with King. You get what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's everything is distorted with, it's between too much access to information, but not enough access to the right information. Yeah, that's what I say. Don't, like, don't matter how much you research, you're never hitting the right things. Like, if you're not reading the right things, if you're not, like, we don't push. I feel like it's just, it's different. You know what I'm saying? And then it gets back in with the school system and gets back to it. Because I do feel like Detroit Public Schools has its issues, but I do feel like Detroit Public Schools pushed blackness in a different way. Because most, for me, let me phrase that, the only real experience I had in Detroit Public School was high school. I went to private Christian schools my whole mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. So it's like, for me, in Detroit Public School in high school, it's like, my book list was black. The required readings for high school were black. You know what I mean? We had to do something for Black History Month. My English teachers put emphasis on us writing papers on people in high school. It's like they don't kids don't get that. And then it's like a lot of these parents now move their kids out to the suburbs because the school districts are supposed to be better. And it's like, granted, they're better on education that is universal for math, English, but what about history? Mm-hmm. You let them even self esteem. It's a difference. Go through racism. They were. Identity you, issues. Yeah. They try to. You know, that's not. That's like, not a yo, good culture to create. Like I get it, but it's like, yo, you telling your kids that they friends can't say the n word or not? You know, like, are you teaching your kid that? You're putting a lot of pressure on your kids to have to know that right now, Very versus true. them just being a student. You get what I mean? Like, I don't. I know the DKS schools have a bad rep, but I don't believe they're all bad. I don't believe they're all. Bad. They're doing the you best of what, what they got. They have to. It's all you can do. You know what I mean? That's all you can do. (laughs) So it's just like, it's different. But I do think we need to, the history needs to be taught in a way at home. That needs, that is definitely something that needs to be taught. And it doesn't even have to be taught in a way of like, I think I asked her who George Washington Carver was and she told me she ain't know. Yeah. I started started listing random people and I was just, I was like, how do you not know this? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. But I'm like, you know what? Mm-hmm. You go to Warren Mott. Wait, wait, what? what? <laughs> that means she was born in 2004. I'm like, you go to Warren Mott. Completely different life. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's Who's sad though. That, though. I blame parents. Yeah. Because the reason I blame parents with that, because we know mm-hmm. that they don't teach history correctly mm-hmm. in schools anyway. Mm-hmm. And that they whitewash it a lot. But do you think every, every parent knows that? They're not into their students' information and, and in tune with what they're learning in school? They may not know that. Parents were taught the same way. Like history has been history has been written by white people like Christopher Columbus and the Confederate flag, like all this stuff that we hold on to that we shouldn't. I challenge anybody that, that celebrated Christopher Columbus to Google him. Learn about what he truly stood for and why he was sent over here and be like, Well, why do we celebrate this man? We don't. The reality is like, people don't he was French, wasn't he? Spain. He was Spanish, but he was. And he actually ended up in Haiti before he got over here. Yeah. 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 But he was also homosexual because Big Tracy told us. There's so much that we don't talk about about our. We 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 celebrate people. It's like, bro, we really just knew who these people really were. Like, like I. I want to thank you, ladies, for coming on to this podcast. No. This has been. It's been a phenomenal debate, a phenomenal discussion. I want to, I want to thank the both of you. Um, so until the next show, thank you for tuning in to Be The Change Radio. Thank you.